when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
Okay. Hey, it's Brooke Bundy calling. How are you? Hope everybody's well and safe. Please, Crazy Train Radio. It's hot. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, your croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Um, I had the most awful dream. Clay, where do you keep the bourbon? I'll be right down. Chris, my guest. Please, Mom, I just don't want to be alone. Where's the fucking bourbon? You should listen to your mother. God damn it, Kristen, you ruin everything. Every time I bring a man home, you spoil it. You know what your shrink says? You're just trying to get a little attention. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Crazy Train Radio proudly brings to you this guest who has recently celebrated her birthday. We're not going to give away her age because that's not our thing. But this lady on the phone right now has gotten her start in the entertainment field as a model in New York City before she ended up getting into the acting world. Best known for her role as Elaine Parker in both Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and 4 for audiences of the podcast. Miss Brooke Bundy, how are you, Brooke? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. A little winded, though, at their intro like that, but we'll be all right. <laughs> okay, 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 so I just declared up on my birthday is August 8th, and I, I'm actually 77, so thank you for being a gentleman, but I thought that I, I'm, I'm always so proud of my age. So um, I'd like to include it. There you go. So first and foremost, you're a Northeast girl being from New York City. What part of New York were you from? Manhattan, born and bred. And uh, obviously I mentioned there in the intro, you started off modeling before going out to California. From what I read, it was a vacation and ended up into acting. But... What about what age was that when you said, you know what, I'm going to take this vacation out to L.A. and all that that whole story, part of your story, opened up? Well, uh, you know, I never wanted to be an actor. That was not part of the plan. Um, I had done a play on Broadway um, that uh, I was uh, – it was suggested through uh, Christopher Walk, and we were in school together in high school. Um, so I did a play on Broadway, and um, and then came out here um, – 
with absolutely no intention of doing anything, and I ended up modeling Natalie Wood's dress for the Academy Awards. That's when they used to have models and stuff. And I won the Academy Award. Well, the dress did, but I was in it. Um, so um, so that just sort of like began to snowball. Um, my then, um, well, he was. we weren't married yet. Were we, were we married yet? No, we weren't married yet. Um, but his, um, Peter's agent was interested and signed me and started sending me up for things. I went back to New York um, and then came back to California again after we got married. My mother said, mm -mm, you're not going back to California without a ring on it. So uh, we got married in New York and uh, I came out here and I just started working. But it was, you know, it was different then too. It was, there were just like five other actresses that were similar to me. Um, and we would just sort of like, we were all friends, you know, and I would go up for um, like a medical center. And I didn't feel I was right for the job, but I caught one of the one of the other actors say, "Hey, there's a great part in medical center for you. Um, check it out." So it was very um, very friendly and very congenial, um, as opposed to it now. I don't think it's quite that way. I think it's a little bit more competitive, um, you know, because the parts are fewer. They're fewer in some ways and more in others. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, but anyway, so that's that was how that whole thing happened. Well, obviously, besides what I mentioned in the intro, parts three and four from the Nightmare series being known for, you've been around the game for many years, respectfully. Long time. And I, yes, and the thing I always, or the thing I got a kick out of when I was doing my homework, you know, because my parents wanted me to know how to read for some odd reason. Oh. <laughs> Still haven't so figured back. that one out. Yeah, yeah. Wanted me to know something, you know, like reading and writing and all that kind of stuff. But all kidding aside, when doing my homework, I noticed you had parts and sometimes two different roles and some classic shows such as Gunsmoke and Rawhide and Bonanza and whatnot. Did you find when getting cast for roles like that that you were almost being stereotyped? You know, people talk about stereotypical stuff. Actually, all the roles were very different. It's just that they happen to be in Westerns. But stereotypical is, I don't know why that has a bad rap. I mean, you know, it's like, so you're really great at playing villains. So you play a villain in a Quentin Tarantino movie. You play a villain in, um, I don't know, somebody else's movie, and a villain in somebody else, or on, the t on TV or whatever. You become a famous villain. Um, and that's cool. You know, I mean, it's like this, as long as you keep working, it doesn't matter. It, this, that's my my opinion. Um, and then once you get well-known for being a villain, um, then you can sort of branch out and say, you know, I want to play um, a good dad or a good mom or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's, it, for some reason it has a bad rap, and I, I've never really quite understood that. It's about the work to me. And that pays the bills to the end of the day. Exactly, exactly, and and it's satisfying creatively too, because you can always find something new in your new villain role <laughs> that you didn't discover before. Uh, well, speaking of which, credits and all that kind of thing, for you, and maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but would you say it changes for folks, or at least in your case, from the first time you notice yourself in credits uh, professionally? whether it would be TV, film, or whatever, compared to later projects, to say, hey, wow, there, there's my uh, credit for something I did. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I remember going to, I remember seeing, seeing my, my name on credits the first time. It was on the Donna Reed show. 
And I was really, it just sort of like stopped me. It was just like, wow, wow, there's my name. You know, it was really, um, and seeing it in a playbill for um, JB on Broadway. Um, but I think it really hit me. Um, I did a movie of the week with Fred Astaire, and um, I was just, I mean, please, Fred Astaire. It was like I couldn't talk. Um, unfortunately, we had scenes together. It was really hard for me. Um, but my name was, it was, this, it was a single credit, and I was seeing it in, in a movie theater, um, which was on the lot, and um, my name came up, and it really, I, it just took my breath away. It was, you know, there was my name following Fred Astaire. It was just like, what? You know, I mean, that's me? You know, it's just you kind of it, it, it's very surreal. Um, so, but it's it's um, it, it's not something that made me feel um, full of myself at all. It just it was very very humbling. In fact, it was the complete opposite. So, but it was like it was, and it was also kind of shocking. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. But did that feeling change over the years since you? kept working and you ended up doing more TV, more film, just everything that went along with your career so far? No, it, it never changed. Um, I mean, even now if I've got some old rerun on and my name pops up, it's like, wow, wow, that's 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 cool and amazing at the same time. Um, so I guess those are two of the same words. But it's no, it's never changed. It's, it's still uh, very humbling and, and kind of, like I said, shocking. You mentioned uh, working with Fred Astaire, uh, who's a legendary name in entertainment, but you also worked with two other names who I thought was interesting, being Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda in Fire. Right. Did you notice, any, between the three of them, did you notice any kind of ego uh, for no. their stature? No, none. It was real gracious. Um, Henry Fonda was a man that was really kind of um, more to himself. He wasn't that social. Um, Jimmy Stewart was just one of the kindest, sweetest human beings I've ever known. I mean, it was just like, and simple and down to earth and a wonderful actor and supportive. Um, and, and Fred Astaire was just lighthearted and fun and, you know, just exactly what you would expect him to be, and, but serious when it came to acting. And we would rehearse the scene many, many times over because it, it had to be a certain way. Um, so he was a, I mean, they were all incredible professionals. Um, and I, I always learned from that, you know, just to keep my life open and just and watch and not try to, because I have a tendency to fly by the seat of my pants. So to watch these men who were iconic um, really take it very seriously. And even even a scene where they had nothing to say, they were very, very serious about it in the moment. Just, so, just the way they yeah. carried themselves, correct? Yeah, yeah. They were just, but again, so gracious. Um, yeah. So, in fact, everybody I've worked with, I can't think of a single, well, maybe one person, <laughs> but for the most part, everyone has been just really beautiful and kind and, um, and again, professional. Yeah, and it's, and I appreciate that because I heard a story anyway in the past day or two that Jimmy Stewart, if I remember the story correctly, actually helped you make sure you took it, got to go take care of business on a personal end while you're in the middle of an acting job because, uh, you know, office is closing and all that stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. It was amazing. Um, and he just, I mean, I remember I was on the buckboard with him.
and we're waiting for uh, the scene to start. And he looked at me. He said, why are you here? And I said, uh, I, I'm in the scene with you. And he said, I know that. But he said, I think you've got something more important to do. He said, I want you, we're going to put in your uh, your stand-in. And um, he said, I want you to change your clothes, and I'm, I have a car for you. Go do it. Go take care of business. And it was like, I mean, I was so, I just started to cry. You know, it was just like, oh, my God. And he found out about my situation through, I think, probably the makeup girl or the hairdresser, somebody like that that I, you know, who asked me what was wrong. And I told her the whole story. And I think she she went over and she told um, Jimmy about it. So um, and I remember he had recently, at that point, lost his son in Vietnam, I think. So it was, was it Vietnam? I don't know, but I know he lost one of his sons. So, I mean, to just to be so concerned about somebody else's welfare uh, at a time where he was probably still reeling from grief. Um, so, yeah, he's, he was, it, was, it was an amazing moment, and I, I will never, ever in my life forget it. Yeah, and if that don't show the kind of person he was, you know, I don't think anything else will. Yeah, right. I mean, this is, this is a big production. Um, and it's funny because when you see the scene, the, the back of me in the in the buckboard, you know it's not me. Or at least maybe I know it's not me because she just has a different um, – her shoulders were different or something. I can't remember what it was. She also didn't move um, because I think she was terrified. <laughs> Poor thing. She didn't expect to be in the scene. So, um, but, but did it and did it to the best, very, very best of her ability. Exactly. And the running joke that I've heard for years at least has always been the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. But mm-hmm. in this case of the joke, it would be six degrees of Henry Fonda because you worked, like I said, worked with Henry Fonda on this project. But also mm-hmm. around the same time, late 60s, early 70s, someone you got to work with in the 80s, which is Part of the reason we're speaking with you today, Robert England actually worked with him. So it's just oh, funny that how it comes full right. circle. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I was when I was married, um, we used to go over over to Peter Fonda's house. Peter and Susan, um, they live in Col- on Coldwater. So it, I guess it is there are multiple circles. Yeah. So now speaking of which, uh, I mentioned Robert England, and I mentioned mm-hmm. this in the intro that you are known as Elaine Parker from parts three and four of the Nightmare series. And I want to throw this out there and get it out of the way. Brooke is going to be part of a group from the cast of part four. He'll be doing a live watch along with us and silver screen appearances coming up on the 21st, which is, have you done any of these kind of watch along things? Um, Not per se. I think the thing is the technology is just, is like really superseding us so quickly. There are a lot of things I have not caught up with, um, many things. But we've done uh, we've done Zoom interviews. We've done, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be up with this um, with um, Shout and you know all of those companies. So um, and I'll, I'll be getting a um, a link to how to connect to me through all these different companies, and then I can sign autographs and stuff like that. So I think there's just so much going on. Um, but we have been, let's see, what did we do? We did a Zoom meet, a Zoom, um, and then we, we did a little viral, little um, video. So um, this will probably be new to me. Um, but, but I have to tell you a funny story about Robert. Um, 
I did Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and I was decapitated, as we all know. Yes. Um, and um, so I then booked Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and I was on the set the first day, and I looked at Robert, and I said, uh, okay, 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 so <laughs> you decapitated me, right? And he said, yep. I said, okay, so how come I'm here? I mean, didn't I die? And he said, Brooke? And I said, what? He said, shut up. And I went, okay. But the prime time, yes. So it's don't, don't don't tell the boss. What, what, don't tell the cat what the mice are doing. Um, so it's like it was really, but it was so cute. When he just looked at me, and said, "Shut up." So cute. Okay, okay. So um, I mean, he's he's delightful to work work with, and his, talk about generosity as an actor. Just he's just yeah. wonderful. One of my very very favorites. So, obviously, the thing with 3 and 4, you did a bunch about the uh, decapitation and all that fun stuff, which I found funny at least. What was it like? I'm sure it's just, hey, another job, another payday, you know, business as usual. But when you have your daughter change from Patricia Arquette and Tuesday night, and I'm not saying anything bad about either one, but is that was that weird on a professional level that, hey, the character who's supposed to be my daughter changed, or is that, eh, just go about business as usual? Yeah, it was go about business as usual, and I um, I, I don't, can't remember if I really had any scenes with Patricia, per se, maybe one or two, but they're very brief, um, which is which is really my sadness because she's such a great actress. Um, but I don't know what it was about Tuesday, but she and I clicked immediately. Um so, uh, so it was very easy to work with her. I mean, she's she's so warm and she's so talented and she's so adorable. Um, so it was really easy to connect with her. Um, and she was like, you know, she's a, she's a brand new actress at that moment too, as opposed to Patricia Arquette, which was really well seasoned. But it was, yeah, it was just sort of, you know, it was a it was a job, and it was um, also there was some distance between the two movies, the making of the two movies. So it was so it was almost like it was a different. Um, venue entirely so um yeah so it was you know that was that but it was it was um yeah it wasn't a problem just making a transition from actress to actress the thing i found interesting at least for you was that you thing i had interest in when doing my homework again was that you were reluctant i guess is the right word in taking jobs within the horror field yeah uh throughout earlier in your career what was the reasoning behind that? Because um, we were seeing a lot of uh, people going to movies, seeing some of these really, um, you know, terrible slaughter-type movies, um, murders, I mean, you know, hideous murders and stuff, and acting them out. You know, um, I think there was actually somebody who was using a chainsaw. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I didn't want to have any kind of karmic connection to someone sitting in a dark movie theater saying, hey, that looks like fun. Um, so I, I turned them down. It was my agent, my darling agent, who said, look, you know, I think they want you for this. Let's let's do it. You know, what the heck? Let's do it. So, and then it turned out to be a lifesaver. I mean, this this is rolling on and on and on and on and on. And I've made wonderful, wonderful friends with the cast. Um, so it was really um, – I'm, I'm so glad I did it. I am so, 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 so glad I did it. Um, it's like one of those those hidden presents, you know, where you, you kind of don't know because it's not wrapped right. But you begin to unwrap it and you go, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. 
this is really special. So, yeah. I bring up this because I recently heard this as well, that you actually didn't see the full version of part four until many years later. Are you one not to watch your projects back or is it just something you put you on to the next job and everything else and just life got the way there? No, I, I rarely watch myself. Um, rarely, 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 because um, I figure it's too late. <laughs> if I'm watching myself, I've already done it. I've made whatever mistakes I'm going to make, and I don't want to feel bad about myself. Or maybe it's great. I don't know. But it's I just don't I just don't watch it. But I, when I saw four, I was like blown away. It was so good. Lisa was brilliant. I know. My God, you've superseded. You know. I mean, everyone's talking about Wonder Woman. Forget about it, Lisa. Um, and Tuesday, and, and of course my darling toy, Toy's mom was my very, very, very best friend. Um, and I was Brooke Thies' first acting teacher. So we all have this kind of really karmic connection. Um, and I was, I represented Andras uh, as an agent. Um, so we're, you know, we're really a close group from on, on many, many levels. So, but I just, I was really blown away by it. Um, so, but I, I don't usually watch stuff that I'm in. And that's uh, funny. Uh, how did you know uh, Toy's mom? Because we actually just recently had her on about a month or so ago. And, you know, very awesome person. I know her dad worked in the entertainment field as a cameraman yeah. and different jobs. Yeah. How they did you end up knowing Steven, her family? Um, he worked for Steven Spielberg. Um, what happened was I my first job as an agent um, and I loved being an agent. I was a kid's agent. Um, and uh, Michelle was at the agency. Um, and she was, you know, like so happy to meet me and everything. And she said, uh, you know, the, I, that I had worked with her daughter. And I said, who's your daughter? And she said, Toy. And I went, oh, my God. I, I, don't, I don't know why I even asked. They look exactly alike. So it's like both just like gorgeous. Um, so it was like then we, we became really close friends. Um, through work and just through through similar feelings and common senses about things. Um, and I just, I mean, I loved her so much, and I, I miss her every day of my life. Um, she passed, wow. I think, three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Um, so so sad and so way, you know, too early. Um, but we were, we were, I used to call us the Scotty Dogs. You might, I don't know if you were old enough to remember the Scotty Dogs. Mm-hmm. Those little black and white dogs. Yes. Okay, so I used to call us the Scotty Dogs because we're, we're both the same height, same weight, same everything, except she's black and I'm white. So it's like, um, yeah, so I just I just love her. Um, she was just really, really special. That's great to hear. And, I, and I'm sure you've had that story with a toy on many occasions. He'll be joining us on the 21st, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, and, and we've, we've both said how much we miss her. Um, she was a firecracker. I'm not a firecracker, but, but Michelle was a definite firecracker. So you guys were kind of like yin to the yang and whatever that whole expression was. Whatever that is, yeah. Yeah, good cop, bad cop you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that... she, but she was just like, and people loved her. Um, I had clients that just, I mean, they were crazy about, about Michelle. Michelle had a way of just bringing out the best in people. Um and she would she'd say, oh, I'm going to redo your hair. And the, and the person would just sit there and let her redo do the hair, you know, or let's let's put some makeup on you. Um, and they would just sit there and let her do it. And she was just like, I sit there and go, oh, Michelle, you can't do that. 
Um, but people would let her do anything. She just chooses. Wonderful. Well, speaking of mother-daughter relationships, and I'd be remiss not to bring this up, Tiffany Helm is who was known from Friday Foot Five, or like the first Friday the 13th Foot Five, is your daughter with former husband Peter Helm. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it something that Tiffany wanted to do because mom did it as a career to get into the acting field? or How did, how did that come about? Well, she um, she booked a commercial. No, how did it go? Um, I think my commercial agent at the time wanted to meet her. They had a kids department, and um, she was going to Beverly High, and she was in the theater arts department, and she was really good, really, really, really good. Um, and um, they just they took her on, sent her out for a commercial, which she put the first her first thing out she booked. And um, my manager at the time, I don't think I was with him at that time, but we were still, we were very close friends. And he said to me, um, he said, so you know SBV, which is the agency, who is the most talented kid in the SBV roster? And I said, Tiffany Helm. And he said, huh, that sounds familiar. I said, yeah, she's my daughter. So he took her on and he, he, she booked everything she went on, everything. I mean, people were just flabbergasted. She was so good um, and still is brilliant. I mean, far more than I will ever, ever, ever be. Um, She came up with stuff that I never even thought of, Um, and she came up on it all on her own. So, um, and now she's, you know, she's acting in Canada. Um, So, but she's, uh, yeah, she's just just amazing, amazing woman. And sounds like you are so proud that of the woman your daughter became. I am. And I told her the other day we were talking, and I said, I hope this doesn't sound condescending because it's not meant to be at all. It's not like I'm patting you on the head and go, there, aren't you? You're such a good girl. Um, but I'm so proud of her on so many levels. Um, you know, she's uh, she really stands up for animal rights. She she has – she's just – you know, she's an amazing mom. So, um, yeah, I'm really proud of her and on, like I said, so many levels. Well, you know, with that, and that's awesome to hear, but I would like to think that it has something to do with what, how you and dad raised her too, for her to become the adult that she is now. Yeah, dad, dad wasn't part of it. <laughs> oh, well, I, okay, see, I don't know this, but you know what I'm saying, that it, it, it comes to the parenting. That's yeah, it sure. does, and I, but I did have help um, from dear, dear, dear close friends because I just half the time I didn't know what I was doing, and they just kind of helped guide me or suggest things or whatever. Um, so it was like it was parenting by you know kind of group parenting. Um, so and unfortunately, I do have a gene- genetic trait is I will ask for help. Um, so I don't try to go it alone. So it's, um, you know, and I was uh, fortunate to ask people that were really well-equipped and with kids and stuff like that to say, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And some of the ideas were like crazy, I thought, but I did, I did them. I also followed direction really well. <laughs> so I did yeah. them, and they worked out. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, for parents, don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, because there, there are things – there, there are avenues those that our kids can go down that we never even dreamed, and nowadays it's even worse. So, um, you know, we're 
we're of generations that are not used to some of the things that our, you know, that our kids are involved in. So we have to like really um, and stay on top of them. That's for sure. And as far as what you said there about parenting, last I checked, and I don't have kids of my own, but I don't think there's a manual you get when you uh, go to the hospital no. and have your child. They don't hand you a manual and say, here you go, like if you were going out by buying something. Yeah, not only is there no manual, but just because you have one, it doesn't mean the next one's going to be the same. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really it's undaunting at times. It really is undaunting, and I think the the thing too that I see so so often with parents, they're afraid to be parents. They want to be the friend. They can have friends at school when school gets back. They can have friends on the block. They can have friends. They can have friends pretty much anywhere, but they only have one set of parents. Um, or one or one parent, as the case may be. So don't be afraid to be a parent. Yeah, you have to put your foot down from time to time. That's for sure. That's oh, what I, was needed. I was I was hard nosed about things. Um, so it was like because I knew it would benefit benefit her. And as soon as I took my foot off the brake, um, I would see her kind of wandering away and <laughs> like uh uh back get back back in the car. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah it's and and it goes on. I mean, sh we still talk about you know advice, giving advice, um, yeah, and, and some of the things you know and the mistakes I made, you know, because you're you're gonna make mistakes. Um, but kids are also very forgiving. And I bet you she, like you said, because she's a mom now herself. I bet you she understands all that that you were what you were trying to do as a mother. Now that she's one herself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a great point that you made. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, because you, you, you do get a different perspective. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I told her the other day that how much I messed up, and she said, no, you didn't. And it was like, really? She said, no. She said, you're a good mom. I said, oh, how thank you. So it was, it was um, yeah, since the coronavirus, we've had wonderful talks. I don't, it's really interesting, I think, as people are, so isolated that when you get on the phone with somebody or you do a Zoom um, or um, FaceTime, I think people are much more open and much more um, authentic um, because I think we're also kind of like weirded out by this whole thing. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But I don't want to hold you up. I do want to ask one more thing uh, because of the hard connection and how good you said it's been to you and your daughter. Mm -hmm. Convention. What has been the coolest thing you may have saw that have somebody wants you to sign, but also maybe the weirdest thing somebody uh, maybe asked you to sign? My head. Oh, no! In what category would that fall under? <laughs> weird. weird. Um, I mean, it was like he brought the head in, um, and I looked at it, and I thought, it's so tiny. Is that really the size of my Of course, it must be the size of my head because I had to go through the whole um, process. Um, so I was like, wow. So I grabbed it from him and went running into Robert's um, area and made my way through, the, because he always has these huge lines, made my way all yeah. the way through the line, and I said, please sign this. And he went, ooh, okay. So, <laughs> so I've got his signature and my signature on my head. Nice. So like we said, folks, Brooke Bundy here is going to be part of the cast locker room on August 21st. Uh, Make sure you check out our social media to find out how to be a part of that. Uh, spots will be going fast. 
So make sure you jump on board before uh, it's too late because it will be a fun time. We actually had Robert jump on during a Q&A uh, last week. The production watch along we did. So you never know who might pop up. I don't. Robert's not popping in this one, but these are quite a good time for the Q&A and just a unique perspective with the movies. Brooke Bundy, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. And I don't have anything up on any of my uh, social media platforms, so I would maybe direct them to Lisa or to you or, or whoever has something up. I, I don't have anything up yet. Yes, we all do. So, But, you know, no matter what, it's going to be a good time. Oh, it'll be great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll be able to see it again. <laughs> that, yes, because we did bring that up. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much. This has been delightful, and you've been such a great interview. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap.